Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. Let's start this show quickly because I'm on a deadline. We're always technically on the deadline in the sense that I'm supposed to listen to the timer. Sometimes I don't. Today I'm going to goddamn well try to because I want to slip this in like so many penises into so many willing vaginas. I like to say at the top of every show, not that, because that would be weird, but to say that there will be spoilers of the things I will talk about most likely. A high chance. A high chance. You know what I'm saying? Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Uh, no. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps. You rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, because that is where podcasts grow and flourish like the beautiful flowers they are. So please consider doing just that. Let's push a button like this to start. Ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Review some things. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Tremors brand anti-delirium tremens pills. Oh, well, isn't that uh, something? Movie the first, Tremors, five, colon, Bloodlines. Jesus. Can you believe they made five of these movies? You know what? Uh, not until this moment, which is strange, uh, it sort of hit me that I wouldn't mind revisiting the first one, which I haven't seen in a very, very long time. This one is bad. Does it fall into the so bad it's good category uh, like I was hoping it would? Yes, on some degrees. There's uh, uh, there's Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> You've got your Michael Gross, who I think is the sort of carryover from all the other Tremors movies. I don't know if I've seen all the Trevor Tremors movies. I don't know if I saw three or four. Pretty sure just one and two I saw. Uh, can you understand what's going on? In Tremors 5, colon, Bloodlines, if you haven't seen the original movies... Basically, it's giant things that live underground uh, that try to kill you. Sort of the cool thing from the first movie was that the Tremors, the titular Tremors, could sort of hear you uh, underground. So, like, if you walked on the ground, they would hear your footsteps and follow you that way. If you were sort of on a rock, a giant rock, they couldn't get to you because they couldn't burrow up through a rock. Uh, The sort of dumb thing is... 
that they have not 100%, but a very high percent removed that sort of cool idea from at least this movie, uh, in that you've got some Trevor Tremors that can walk, uh, you've got some that can fly, called uh, the Ass Blasters. Yes, that is a thing. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of dumb to take the coolest sort of idea, the coolest premise from the movie, and then remove it. I don't like. Uh, Rating-wise, let's go go a solid uh, 3 out of 5, if you're unfamiliar with my rating system. I like to use a 3 for uh, enjoyed while watching, but wouldn't watch again. And that really sort of hits this on the nose pretty good, because I I did have some, some laughs at the ridiculousness of Tremors 5 bloodlines, but uh, watching it again, no thank you. Okay, a uh, totally different end of the spectrum here is a movie called Call Me Lucky. Ah. Uh, this is from Bobcat Goldwaith, director, who, very, very surprising in that uh, his movies are very, very good. If you pick, <laughs> well, that's kind of a mean thing to say, I've just realized. Uh, yeah, if you picture Bobcat Goldwaith from the, uh, you know, 80s, I guess mostly the 80s, like uh, Police Academy and other things, you probably wouldn't think that guy, that character, to be fair, would make a good movie. But uh, I've seen a few now, and I can verify that he does make a good movie. This one, I think, was even in Sundance and may have won some awards. Uh, It's about a comedian at first. Uh, There's a point in this movie where it takes a sudden trip. Uh, The comedian is Barry Crimmins. Uh, I am very, very much so would consider myself a a comedy nerd and thought I would recognize all sort of big and popular comedians from the past and the hits of today. Uh, But I I will admit that I'd never heard of Barry Crimmins, which uh, is sort of disappointing. I'm disappointed in myself. Yeah. Uh, After watching this, maybe I'll look into a little more of his comedy, uh, which leans towards the political, which is perhaps why I haven't heard of him. Uh, I I sort of veer away from political comedy. Uh, There's no way I'm going to fit all of this in. Damn it. Okay, so, um, yeah, uh, the movie takes a sudden twist where we learn that uh, Barry was uh, sexually abused as a child. Um, From there... From that sort of tragicness, uh, we learn of his uh, his mission, his fight against AOL, which seems strange, uh, because AOL had, when it sort of first came back, uh, child pornographers were using it to spread their child pornography. Uh, he saw this and fought against it. You'd think you would contact AOL and they'd say, oh my god, this is happening, let's stop it. But no, uh, they were making a shit ton of money. So uh, decided to, I guess, not do that, which is pretty disgusting. Uh, but he fought against it and won. So uh, the, the the dent in the child pornography ring that is there is largely due to him. So he uh, he, he see, I knew I wouldn't. I'm not even close to finishing. Fuck. Uh, he he his sort of efforts uh, caused uh, great things to sort of brew from uh, the tragedy of his life. So, uh, really incredible story. It's almost two movies in, in some regards, which uh, which I, I think is impressive as well. Um, Call Me Lucky, I think I can easily go from a sort of movie-watching standpoint 
uh, a movie reviewer standpoint, five out of five. Uh, definitely worth worth a watch. Uh, good film. Not even a movie. It's a film. Okay, let's move on to... I should do these last two quickly. Uh, okay, so uh, this is a horror movie. It's called It Follows. Uh, this was pretty scary. Yeah, there was uh, there was some scares in it. Uh, a young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after getting involved in a sexual encounter. Yeah, so it's uh, basically a sexually transmitted uh, monster. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I like that. I, I like a movie that does something that I've never seen before. Uh, I like not really knowing what's going to happen, although you can sort of have some guesses. Uh, and a sort of unrelenting force, a uh, Jason Voorhees-like force. Uh, sort of the cool little twist is that uh, the thing, whatever it is, that follows, can't move very quick, uh, but it doesn't stop, and nothing can really get in its way. So you could sort of drive for an hour away from it, and then, you know, wait an hour, and it would catch up to you, and you'd be safe during that time, but it's never going to stop. The other sort of cool thing is no one can see it but you, or others who have had it before. Uh, cool idea, and uh, there was some definite scary moments. So rating-wise... Uh, I'll go four out of five. Yeah, uh, definitely a good horror flick. Okay, so I uh, watched that one with the misses, and also watched this one with the misses. This is called The Out of Towners. This is starring Steve Martin, who I love, starring Goldie Hawn, who I've seen in movies that I've also enjoyed. Uh, maybe not as much or as often, but still, yeah, but still. Uh, I do remember seeing this movie when I was a kid. When did it come out? Uh, when I, it came out in 99. Really? I thought it was older than that. Okay, so it came out in 99, and, and I must have seen it in 99. And looking back, I thought I remembered liking it. And uh, the missus said this is one of her favorite movies. So because we needed a sort of palate cleanser after It Follows... Uh, I thought, hey, let's uh, let's pop this one on if you want to watch it so goddamn badly. And boy, was it horrible. Horrible. Uh, like, very, very rarely, if you're a regular listener of this movie, uh, do I give a 1 out of 5. Uh, 1 out of 5 are for movies that I turned off. Movies that I could not watch. Uh, this movie... Despite the fact that I didn't turn off because the missus would not let me, gets a 1 out of 5. I would have, had I been watching this by myself, turned it off. Um, the sort of silver bolt that was slightly good. No, not even slightly good. He was good. Uh, it was John Cleese. He, he plays a character. I'm not even going to go into this movie. Let's just say I would avoid it. Or, you know what you can do? Uh, maybe, and I don't know if this would work, Google out-of-towners John Cleese scenes and just watch those and uh, have yourself a good time and cut out the rest of this. Just movie with horrible acting, stupid stories, plot holes galore, uh, no redeeming qualities whatsoever other than John Cleese. So, wow. That is probably... That may be the meanest review I've ever given on this podcast. It really did not. You know what? Probably the meanness is upped slightly for the reason that I couldn't turn it off. So that the, the brought out the meanness a little bit more. So let's move on by pushing that button that I just pushed.
Today's television talk sponsor is the You Had a Great Time, but then Raider later realized nothing really happened bar. Okay, sure. Uh, brought the, I mean, got that sponsor a while ago. Not really sure what... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to talk about a television program that technically can appear on your television. Although it's not a network television show. In that, it is created specifically for Netflix. The show in question is Master of None, starring Aziz Ansari. Ansari. Aziz Ansari. I meant to say, and then later did say. Uh, how do you describe this? 26 to 31 minute runtime, 10 episodes. So that seems to be pretty standard of a, a comedy show made for Netflix. Um, <laughs> you know what? The reason that this is hard to talk about, I think, is one of the reasons that it is also very good and very interesting uh that the the fact that it is good is interesting let me explain uh not much really for the most part happens in this show uh you'll 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 finish an episode and they're all great lots of laughs and lots of not laughs lots of thoughts lots of oh that's sad many emotions which is what i love in a piece of entertainment i don't love just laughs and i don't love just sads I like the combination of the two i think that's what makes a piece of entertainment the best like this is yeah you know what why don't i friggin uh, start off by saying my rating five out of five i love this I, I hope there's more i think there will be more i think it did well i think it is uh, award worthy uh now let me go on to say you'll watch an episode uh, the half hour will pass, and nothing will really have happened. Uh, it, it's almost in that sort of uh, Seinfeldian, well, let's use that, uh, that word that I sort of, I guess, just made up, uh, a show where nothing happens. It's a show about nothing, uh, in a really true sense of, the tr sense of that meaning, uh, which makes it, apparently, hard to talk about. Hmm... Uh, Aziz is a plays a, uh, a young man who does commercials for a living. Um, in between that, he's just sort of living his life. Uh, some of Aziz Ansari's foodiness in real life has sort of come across, so he'll go out to eat with friends, he'll go out to eat with a date. Uh, I guess if there is a story throughout this, it is the story of his love life uh, with the girl who I don't have it here who plays her uh noel okay so her name is noel wells uh who's his primary romantic interest according to wikipedia which i have open uh, she's she's very very good uh, and i guess that is the underlining story throughout how they meet how they click how they don't click their ups their downs but that is by no means the whole story uh, they're a very, very cute couple. Uh, I think this is a sort of perfect show to watch with a significant other because uh, the Mrs. and I, who watch this together, I should say, uh, constantly found ourselves seeing something on the screen, then looking at one another sort of knowingly, uh, nodding to each other like, yep, yeah, we do that all the time too. 
which uh, which is a sort of brilliant idea to have within your television program. Uh, there's shows that I like, there's shows that he, that the missus likes, uh, the ones that sort of coincide that we both like. It, it's hard to do. It, it's hard to have a show hit the two of us so well, so strongly, and this show has definitely done it. I think uh, she as well would give it a uh, 5 out of 5, which is pretty goddamn impressive. If you know her broken uh, rating system. Sism. Her rating system. Oh my. Uh, this show also has Eric Wareheim, Wareheim, who you may know from Tim and Eric. Uh, Alright, well, we're out of time. So, you know my opinion on Tim and Eric if you've listened to many episodes. If you don't, well, too bad, I guess. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Book Banter. Today's Book Banter sponsor is the Magic Skin Flute Burlesque Jazz Bar. If you can believe it. Thank you, sponsorship. Today we have, uh, if you probably know if either you listened to last episode or you read the description of this episode, uh, Blue Adept by Pierce Anthony. This is book number Dose, or Duh, if you prefer in French, which I do because it sounds like you're saying Duh. Uh, this was written in 1981, so this came out the year I was born, which is sort of interesting. Uh, from the perspective of we've got this author Pierce Anthony sitting down typing away in probably 1980 maybe a little of 1981 depending on when this came out what time of year that is Uh, here I am a a young baby just being born having no idea that one day our lives would coincide when I read his book hmm Okay, so uh, if I do recall, uh, reading the description of the last book got uh, at least a good laugh for me because it was fucking crazy. Uh, and this one, no doubt the same because it as well, uh, fucking crazy. Uh, so the main character is Style, S-T-I-L-E. Uh, Style has gained significant power in Phase, which is the land where, um, where magic reigns supreme, let's say. Uh, significant power in phase as the blue adept, uh, one of the main magicians. Hmm. Uh, his songs and poems hold incredible power. However, on Proton, which is like the science fiction-y uh, land, he faces deportation and enters the tournament in the hope of gaining citizenship. His adversary is revealed to be the amulet-making red adept. Ooh, blue versus red. Red versus blue. Hey, that's a thing with Halo stuff. Okay, anyways. Uh, who exists in Proton, Proton as a serf in the tourney. Mm-hmm. Uh, style def... Oh, well, that's a bit of a spoiler. Uh, no, okay, maybe not really. Style defe- defeats her in, com- in combat in phase and in the tourney on Proton. Okay, yeah, that is a spoiler. Well, I warned. Leading to her expulsion from both worlds. So, you know, done and dusted. She... uh, We're sort of learning... um, Certain people can travel back and forth between uh, two... Between the two realms through a magical curtain. Uh, 
Um, certain people cannot. For example, if you exist in the magical world uh, and are born in the scientific world, you can't travel until the person in the in the magical world dies. So that's sort of an interesting little little twerk that they added. Twerk? Yeah, tweak. A twerk or a tweak? Twerk it, baby. Uh, this does something that I like, which I think I mentioned in the first book, and that it is that combination of sci-fi and uh, fantasy. Like, if you like one, the odds are probably you're going to like both. Uh, you know what I, I think? And let me throw this out there, and, and you can tell me if this makes any sense. If you like science fiction, uh, it is more likely that you won't like fantasy than it is if you like fantasy you are more likely to like sci-fi. Does that make any sense? I think fantasy, people who like fantasy more are more likely to like both than people who like just sci-fi are less likely to like fantasy. I think that makes a sort of logical sense, and if it doesn't, go fuck yourself. Oh, sorry. Got a little angry there. Uh, yeah, rating-wise, probably... I may have even liked it better in the first one. I don't remember what I gave the first one. Let's just stick with a solid four. Uh, what I kind of liked is his time in the magical realm was interesting, but not as interesting as when he was playing in the tourney. Uh, the tourney, really, really cool idea. He'll have to travel back periodically to have these cool little fights. Not necessarily of the physical variety. Maybe he'll have to sing a song. Maybe he'll have to play a flute. Maybe he'll have to play friggin' tic-tac-toe, you never know, in the tourney for citizenship. Could play Jeopardy. Today's game, Gabin, sponsor is Fallout 4 Viagra. Don't be a Minuteman. Join the Brotherhood of Steel. <clears throat> okay, so uh, if you're following along, this is, I guess, combining week four and five of my f massive Fallout taking my life away on the weekend's playthrough that doesn't seem to want to end and goddamn, I'm happy of that fact you may not be who'd like to hear a variety of games talked about on a podcast about video games but again I say uh, go fuck yourself <laughs> I really should stop saying that it's not very nice to say to you listening to this because I don't mean it yes uh, okay so if you're following along uh, I restarted my game what I've done is done uh, a shit ton of uh, Minutemen and Brotherhood uh, side quests. They basically involve either, for the Minutemen, setting up new outposts uh, and then doing quests for them. Those are sort of the two possibilities. And I did probably more than I... Like, I reached a point where they stopped... They didn't stop being fun, but I'm like, okay, it's time to move on to something else. So then I went to the Brotherhood. Uh, they're two sort of mission types of the side quest variety uh, were finding haptic drives or other pieces of technology or going to an area and killing everything in that area <laughs> which uh, which I do enjoy especially when you you, you, you go into say a, a, a town with a 
let's say, a Fat Man or a missile launcher and just blow the shit out of the whole town. Maybe throw down some mines before you do so, all sneaky-like. Uh, there's many ways you can go go about it. You can sneak through the whole thing and sneak up on people and hit them with a friggin' pipe wrench if you, if you so desire. Uh, yeah, so I did that probably for most of Weekend 4. Uh, weekend 5, it was doing the main mission to get caught up to where I was when I restarted, which uh, was entering the Glowing Sea. Uh, once I did that, I sort of really got into the main mission in a hard way and uh, got very, very far. And, uh, man, you know what? Uh, spoilers I usually don't care about. Like, I give warnings to them and I don't feel bad about giving them. But uh, it's almost like with the Dark Tower. Like, I I don't think I spoiled that. Or if I did, I gave a shit ton of warnings of it. Anyways, um, you eventually enter the Institute. Which is not really a spoiler per se, because that is sort of your main goal. So if you're playing a video game and your main goal is to enter an area, entering that area, not really a spoiler. Uh, I think I can get away with not saying what happens there, but... Uh, I've kind of reached the part in the story where I've had to make choices. Um, choices uh, to the degree where I, I made a save game thinking, you know what, if I ever come back and revisit this, I could start from this point uh, and then have a totally different story, like like that serious of a choice. Uh, oh yeah, you know what, I also ran into a new group during this sort of part here. Uh, what were they called? Not the Gunners the underground the railroad yeah the railroad uh underground railroad in the sense that they were helping the synths who are sort of uh uh, robots androids in disguise um very very human seeming almost like uh from the book we were just talking about uh the blue adept there's a robot named sheen who you can't really tell you wouldn't be able to tell that she's a robot just by looking or talking to her. So sort of that degree of roboticness, humany type. Oh boy. Uh, anyway, so uh, you've got to decide you want to help them. Um, I kind of am leaning towards and have for the most part leaned towards helping the Brotherhood of Steel just because I like their shit so much more. Um, it's not necessarily the... Like, if you're going evil versus good, I kind of felt like the the game was pushing me towards being good, which was not helping the Brotherhood, because they can be kind of dicks a little bit, but... uh, Yeah, we're out of time. So, uh, anyways. uh, Anyways, yeah. Five out of five for Fallout 4. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is send letters back and forth with real live prisoners with new pen pals for pen pals. Interesting, I suppose. What I also suppose is we're going to talk about the first item. Nice segue, not really. Uh, My life after 44 years in prison. Yes, this was interesting, and I think something sadly that they could probably have more and more examples of to see this sort of effect, I guess we could call it. Uh, It was a dude who was in prison. Uh, He assaulted a police officer. 
Um, you know, does that deserve 44 years or basically more than half of your life ripped away? I don't know. Who can say? Uh, judges, I suppose. Law, courts, stupid things like that. It was very, very interesting to see how he felt about what life, average, everyday life is today compared to when he went in prison. And some of the main questions I had were, uh, why, how does this happen? But also, um, like, does he not have access to any television ever? Because he kind of didn't, like, know what a cell phone was. Like, I, I didn't think going into prison meant totally cut off from all human species and and everything that's going on in the everyday waking world so gotta be tough man gotta be tough okay so uh recommend watching that just to sort of maybe get your brain into thinking about what goes on in someone's life like that it's fucked up man fucked up <sighs> okay now let's bring it back up by talking about uh, epic mealtime behind the scenes action oh what is this oh this is interesting uh, the guys over at Epic Mealtime, fellow Canadians, I might add, uh, have recently been posting things of a sort of behind-the-scenes action variety. Uh, basically, if you don't know Epic Mealtime, well, go check them out because they're hilarious. I watch them more for the funny than for the fucked-up shit that they make and eat. Um, but the behind-the-scenes stuff is cool because they you can sort of see their process. That it's not just, okay, let's do this. Let's throw a, you know, 400-pound uh, lasagna in the oven and then make a show. No, there's, there's much more thought goes into it. The writing of things. Uh, and I did kind of assume that. It was a lot easier than that, so it's a good idea that they're doing that for the reason that it makes us realize there's more work involved, and also that you can see the sort of funny brewing, which uh, which is something I enjoy. Uh, okay, uh, something else interesting in the internet world is uh, Electric Playground cuts the cord. What? Uh, Electric Playground reviews on the run. Uh, anything, I guess, of the Victor Lucas creation is uh, somewhat soon um, coming off the air. Oh, so that is actually sad. Uh, the fact that I cut the cord and haven't really watched TV in many years, uh, I guess that it's going to affect someone like myself less. Um, one thing that uh, I guess will change will be where I watch uh, things like reviews on the run and electric program, because I still do check in from time to time to see what they're up to. Uh, you could do so on like the city TV websites. Uh, but it, it sounds like they're potentially coming to YouTube, uh, maybe in the short term, maybe in the longer term. Um, I want to just sort of bring it up just because I think there's interesting things could sort of brew from that. They have a infrastructure of uh, talking of video games and uh, creating content of video game related stuff and entertainment related stuff and nerdy stuff in general where they could sort of take all that and then put their focus more on a sort of YouTube side of things. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't be working for a network, so maybe they'd have a little more freedom. Maybe they can throw some swears in and, and you know, some boobs. Throw some boobs and swears in, why don't you? Uh, something I wouldn't mind seeing is if they sort of stepped into the role of uh, Re Revision 3 that somewhat recently left YouTube. So 
I don't know, just throwing some ideas out there. Uh, it's probably, they're probably not happy, ecstatic about the fact that they're no longer going to be on television, or at least on the television channels that they were on before. Uh, but uh, I think there's potential for this to be a cool thing for definitely the fans and maybe even eventually uh, Victor Lucas and team. Oh, shit. Okay, so uh, last item is a new addition to my podcast listening repertoire, and that is Harmontown, or Harmontown, if you prefer. Uh, Harmontown was a movie, I'm pretty sure, appeared on a movie monologue, or maybe a movie Monday, if it was pre-episode 300. I don't know. I know I watched it, which meant I probably talked about it, uh, unless it was during my hiatus. Anyways, that's not important. What is important is Dan Harmon, a creator of such thing as community, among many other cool things... But uh, that one sort of stands out in my mind as his greatest creation. Uh, has a podcast and has had a podcast for quite a number of years, which has given me the ability to go back. I started at episode one and am sort of. I don't even know if I'd say slowly, but I. Because I, I do a pretty big chunk. Uh, I think I'm up to episode 10 after, you know, like a week's worth. So uh, I'm going through them pretty quick. I think I saw today episode 172 came out. Anyways, uh, Dan Harmon on stage. I think they're all live. At least I assume they are from what I've heard so far. Um, Shooting the shit. He, I, (laughs) my sort of biggest takeaway is sort of strange from this. I wish that Dan Harmon was my dad. How about that for a weird takeaway from listening to 10 episodes of a podcast? Yeah, uh, just, uh, he's got a really, really cool brain, and I would love to hop into it and have him teach me his ways. Uh, (laughs) since we're out of time, why don't I just leave it at that, because that doesn't make any sense, and neither does some of the shit that he gets up to. Let's say the final thing I always say, which is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper